And we're in Revelation chapter 9, verses 6 uh, through 10. Sometimes people say, you know, uh, they don't preach enough on hell anymore, but this is Christmas. And, you know, when I, when I first started this series, it was back in October, and I thought it was going to be two sermons. I really did. That's what I thought. You know, I had this and this down, and just more I went into it. But then I realized, as I was thinking of that this week, Jesus came. Now think about that. Think of John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Do you realize that He was His only Son in heaven? He was always the Son of God. He became in humanity the begotten Son of God 2,000 years ago. But for eternity past, He was always the Son of God. And he sends his son to take upon him our sin. Now you think of this. Jesus is God in the flesh, but God. Omniscient, that is all-knowing, omnipresent, all-present. Oh, yes. He's all of that, omnipotent, all-powerful. But when you think of those things, you put those things together. He comes, and John 3, 17 tells us why. For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. But this all-knowing, all-powerful God knew that if He took on humanity, He would be limiting Himself to the same things that we do so that he's tempted in all points like as we are yet without sin. And in all of that temptation and all of that sin placed upon him, he became sin for us who knew no sin. That we, remember he knows everything, he knows every thought and intent of the heart. He knows all those things. A lot of us have skeletons we hide in our closet, but we never hid them from Him. Oh, yes, there are things that nobody knows, but He knows. And yet, in His great love, He would take that upon Him for us. Christmas is all wrapped up in John 3, 16 and 17. God so loved the world, and His Son did too. Therefore, He became sin for us. Why? That the world might be saved. What a blessing that is. Well, in our text, in Revelation chapter 9, verses 6 through 10, And in those days shall men seek death, and shall not find it, and shall desire to die, and death shall flee from them. And the shape of the locusts were likened to horses prepared unto battle. And on their heads were as it were crowns like gold. And their faces were as the faces of men. 
Now, let me just insert here, I've said this earlier, uh, several sermons ago. These are not demon-filled creatures. These are creatures that were prepared for the pit to do what they do in that place. Hell was prepared for the devil and his angels. I'll see more about that in a few minutes. Okay, in the sh shape of the locusts. Okay, again, it's horse prepared for battle. The gold on their uh, head, and then let's get on down here to verse 8. And they had hair as the hair of a woman, and their teeth were as the teeth of lions. And they had breastplates as it were breastplates of iron. And the sound of their wings was as the sound of many chariots running to battle. And they had tails like unto scorpions. And their sting in their tails and their power was to hurt men five months. You know, he told us about that just up in verses uh, 5 and, and, and 6 there when we saw those things there, but it's repeated here again. It's important. It's important. God wants us to get that in our minds that we think on that as well. Because once in hell, there's no escape. There's no ceasing to exist. It's forever. Well, let's pray. Father, I pray as we look into your word now that thy Holy Spirit would just really speak to each heart. Lord, as Christians, we need your wisdom and instruction. But for those who may not know that they died today, that heaven's their home, I pray that they would see the love of God in coming to this earth to pay the penalty for sin. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. Now, as we start, I want to say this. As Christians, don't miss that it's very important. It's of utmost importance for you to understand something. The very holiness of God is seen in the torments of hell. Understand, this is God as he rectifies a beautiful and perfect creation. That which he created. And God now is separating all that is contaminated by Satan and those people who, though they have this offer, whosoever will may come. But they reject it. They don't want it. And therefore, they are also a part of that. Oh, the cleansing blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's the attitude of man today, but understand the things that man says, even the men that are the most educated of men, do not supersede the wisdom, the knowledge of God. He's the creator, not man. He did not set something in motion and it evolved. God created it. As a matter of fact, Psalms 33 tells us he spoke it into existence. God is almighty. People today say no one deserves that outpoured wrath of God throughout all eternity where there's no escape and yet no ceasing to exist. No one deserves that. But that person does not understand the simple fact that God is holy. 
Now understand the result of that. First of all, Satan was created by God. Every angel is an individual creation of God. You and I are procreated. By that we mean that our parents reproduced and we came. We're procreated. Angels aren't procreated. They don't reproduce. Everyone was a single creation of God. In Adam, we all die. In the second Adam, <laughs> we can be all made alive. Oh, what a difference that is that Jesus in coming to this earth for us. But think of it. Satan sinned. And what happened? Matthew 25, 41 happened. He says that hell was created for the devil and his angels. Not for man. He was going to provide a way for man to be saved. And just think, had man not sinned, had man not sinned, there'd still be a hell, but that before the Satan and his angels. But if man had not sinned, the last 6,000 years of man's history would have been without war, would have been without pain, would have been without death, would have been without tears, would have been without children dying and things like cancer. It would have been without divorce and immorality and so much more. We would have been without that. See, God is holy. Hell is deserved for what sin has done to this world. Hell is deserved. But there's one thing that's not deserved. The grace of God. But it is given by the love of God. God loves you. Most men today will admit they're sinners. They'll say, yes, I've sinned. Yes, I know that. He doesn't argue the fact. But he doesn't want to believe that there is a real hell from which there is no escape. He doesn't want to believe that he'll go there without Jesus Christ. Wherefore, man refuses repentance. He lacks the faith in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ as being in his place because he will not admit that he's a sinner that deserves such an eternal punishment. And yet, the Bible tells us in Romans 3.10, there is none righteous, no, not one. Jesus Christ, the one who came to save our soul, he that died on the cross for our sins and bore all our sin upon him. To pay our penalty in full. To have the outpouring wrath of God Almighty upon his human spirit. For us. And he paid it all. And he rose up victorious over hell and the grave. Therefore... 
If you want to say, I don't really think man deserves that, just remember who you're compared to. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The glory of God is Jesus Christ. All you parents know that. Your children are your glory. God compares us to his only begotten son. We all come short. We're not ever going to earn salvation. We must come to him in his grace. Now as we look at our text, it starts talking about the shape of the locust, which tells us much more about the torment that is here. We are given in these verses five distinguishing characteristics of the uh, descriptive characteristics of these locusts that seem to speak of that which would come in that fearful place called hell. It should cause physical fear of life. We saw in verse 7, to begin with, they have shapes like unto horses, and he adds, prepared unto battle. There's a reason for every word that is in the word of God. These are literally shaped like horses, these locusts. So why would God breathe out all, every word that's in the word of God? Why would he breathe out those words for John the right? By the way, understand that. Whether it's Genesis 1.1 or Revelation chapter 22 and the very last verse there. Every word was breathed out by God to which holy men were to write each word exactly, add nothing to, take nothing away from it. That's why we know the word of God is preserved like the Bible says it is. Okay. It has not been lost. Only men want you to think that it's been lost. But God had a purpose for every word. Why? Because no scriptures have any private interpretation, Second Peter tells us. You know, some people think there's a contradiction in the Bible. Oh, no. There is a contradiction, but it's in your thinking. You see, you don't understand. You simply don't understand the differences between the, what you consider a contradiction. Your application is wrong. That's why we have a Holy Spirit. Whenever you think you've found a contradiction in the Bible, just remember, Satan is trying to make you think that. If God says there's no contradiction, my friend, there is absolutely no contradiction in the Word of God. It's interesting. <clears throat> I know every one of you remember this. Back in 2013-2015, I preached on the book of Joel, so I know you remember it. Yeah, right. Okay. Now, but we saw those locusts there, and guess what? They were shaped like unto horses. And they were prophetic in type. But in that day, there was a great fear of hearing the swarm of locusts when they're swarming in. These men had farmed their land. The crops were just about ready. 
and a swarm of locusts come in and destroy everything. And they're helpless to do anything about it. And so when they would hear the sound of those wings, it would put great fear in them, seeing that their income, that which would feed their family, it's all lost. So even back in Joel's day, this was written as a prophecy that would look forward to a future day. Now, understand that types are not exact. We say a type in the Bible, but it's not exact. For example, Joseph, back there, you know, he helped, uh, his brother sold him into slavery, but it became a good thing. Joseph is a type of Christ. But he's not Christ, okay? He's a type of Christ, but he's not Christ. Types are to illustrate a truth. And Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes unto the Father but by him. The mercy seat in the tabernacle was actually a type. Now, there are people today that don't like me to say that, that uh, go into these studies a lot of people believe that the earthly tabernacle was raptured up into heaven. Uh, it was not, okay? It was made from the gold that was made, that was on this earth, the refinement and everything else. Pure, yes, great, beautiful, yes. But the Lord told Moses to make it after the pattern of the one he saw. <laughs> it was the one he saw in heaven. The Lord was showing him that, and that's what he wanted it to be like. And you see, it was a type of the heavenly mercy seat, but not the actual he uh, heavenly mercy seat. Why? The earthly mercy seat had blood on it of bulls and goats, which can never take away sin. Oh, but Jesus rose from the dead. Mary Magdalene went to touch him, and he says, touch me not. I must ascend to my father and your father. Why? Because the blood has to be applied at the mercy seat of heaven. The pure blood of the great high priest, the Lord Jesus Christ, he applies that blood there. Then he comes back and they can touch him. Why? Because the blood has been applied. The payment has been made. So these locusts are different than those ones in Joel's day. Those were insects that pass away. These locusts cannot be killed. They were created to do what they do in hell. And when death and hell are cast into the eternal lake of fire, they'll continue to do that throughout all eternity. Now please, don't miss this. Please don't miss this. Sin, all sin, is against an all-holy God who made man in his image. God is a spirit. Yes, Jesus took on flesh, but that wasn't the, uh, he didn't have flesh then. He didn't have flesh when Adam was created. God is a spirit. 
God said, let us make man in our image. You know, when he refers to God there in that first chapter of Genesis, it is a plural followed by a singular verb. Anytime you have a plural in the Hebrew language, and it's followed by the singular verb, that plural is of one essence. Their plural, that old Bible, uh, called the old Bible or the old law, Hebrew, plural can be two or more. More often it's three or more. And so what do you have? The Trinity. Three divine persons in one divine essence. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That's why when you get to John 1 and verse 1, when he tells us there, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. Why? Because the Trinity was there. The Spirit of God moved on the face of the deep, we learned in Job. The Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, we learned in John 1.14. But the Word is God. And when Jesus returns, and we'll say this probably again tonight, that's fine. But when He comes back, there's a name that He has. And His name shall be called the Word of God. Wow. That's why he is the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes unto the Father but by him. Yes. God cannot allow any sin and will not allow any sin in heaven. It must be thoroughly punished. Not only Satan and his angels, but anyone who by their free will choice does not seek the Lord for salvation and refuses to place their faith and receive the Lord Jesus Christ as their God and Savior. You know, I find it interesting. You read Luke chapters 1 and 2, and a lot of us will hear Luke uh, chapter 2 and and she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. But you know what is a special verse to me is back in Luke chapter 1. She goes into her what the, the, they like to call the magnificent. It's really just a prayer of praise. Is God a trinity? Yes. And so what does she say? God, my Savior. People want you to worship Mary. Hey, she was blessed. She really was. To be able to bear the Son of God, she was blessed. You and I, whether we realize it or not, may not realize until we get to heaven, we're blessed to be named by His name and to be able to share that name with others. But she was blessed. <laughs> All generations shall call her blessed. But he didn't say all generations would call her God because she was not God. She wouldn't have called him her Savior if she was God. 
That's why she pondered everything that she had heard in her heart. Now, when I think about it, here you are, you're looking at this Savior who died for us. And people don't receive him. You can hear the gospel, but you've got to make a decision to receive it or reject it. Acts chapter 20, verse 21, he mentions repentance toward God. Why? All sin is against God. I was, I was talking to a man in the parking lot yesterday at, <clears throat> at, at Publix. I got my orders to go get some groceries, and so I obeyed the orders. Uh, but I got talking to a man there, and he said, uh, and he'd been listening to our radio station. He was very complimentary of it, and he liked the old preaching of, of Lester Roloff and some of the others that were on there, and the good music and things of that nature. He says, why don't these preachers hit, hit alcohol? Why do they only... Why, why do they say it's, nothing's wrong with social drinking? And so I, I gave him some scriptures and things like that that were there and, and showed him uh, the differences in the scriptures. But, you see, men want to fulfill the lust of the flesh. And so we talked about social drinking. I said, okay. So, drunkenness is a sin, right? You got to drink to get drunk, right? So, that's the start of sin. Now, let's imagine. Uh, we know, thou shalt not kill, so murder's a sin. What if I say, look, that guy, that guy, that guy, that guy, they're all right. They need to straighten up. But that guy, I need to kill him. See, I'm just a social murderer. If they don't need it, I don't do it. Just the ones that need it killed, you know. Hey, sin is sin. It's always wrong. It's always wrong. So it's repentance towards God. Because even if I kill somebody, yeah, it's a sin against that person, but it's a greater sin against God, the Creator. And repentance towards our Lord Jesus Christ. Acts 20, 21. Repentance toward the, uh, towards God and faith towards our Lord Jesus Christ. Faith, yeah. I act on the belief that His Word is true. In His Word, He said that He sent His only begotten Son to die for me. He was buried and He rose from the dead. And He is the way, the truth, and life, and no man comes unto the Father but by Him. So, if a person's going to go to heaven, they need to believe that and receive him as their Lord, as their God, as their Savior. In other words, they're giving him their life. He's the one in charge. Yet, you still have your free will. Yes, you can choose, and some of the choices we make are dumb. Many times those choices as Christians end up in a lost reward. Sometimes those choices say, man, if I witness, people are just going to look down on me. I'm going to lose friends. 
know, when the Bible says not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as a matter of some is, why is it? Why is it? It's all right to miss Sunday night. Now, some do have physical problems they can't come on Sunday night. But there are those others that could see, well, you know what, those people can't see the drive at night. Maybe you could drive them. Think of that. If the Lord could come all the way from heaven to save our soul, take on what He hates more than anything, sin, take it upon Him and pay our penalty, can't we do something for somebody? He wants us to do that for Him. He says, ye are my witnesses. Ye shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the world. It's our call as Christians. Oh, the shame when a man stands before the white throne of God, where they are before the throne into the eternal lake of fire. And the books are open. And they've heard this message today. They've heard they need a Savior. They've heard the message somewhere. And they've rejected it. And they're hearing their rejection. Remember the rich man in hell? Son, remember. Oh, they're reminded. But I wonder if at the judgment seat of Christ, for 2 Corinthians 5.10 says that we'll receive in our body for the things that we have done, whether they be good or bad. That's the same people are there. We're going to heaven. We're going to be saved. Yeah. But there's loss of reward. Well, Lord, I didn't know he was lost. And he's going to show you the opportunities. And we're ashamed at his appearing. You've got that friend. You've got that loved one. Do you pray for their salvation? When's the last time you prayed for an individual at an altar? I think we should be praying about the situation in our country today. It's grim. It really is. And as much as we should be praying about that, and I believe many are, it's more important that you pray for the salvation of souls. It's more important that we pray for revival in this country. Because if we don't have that, this country's down the tubes. Most important, though, is if you're not 100% sure, if you cannot give a Bible reason why you know if you died today that heaven's your home, my friend, just getting started here looking at these locusts, Shaped like unto horses. Why? Well, I want to say more about that tonight. Crowns like gold on their head. Why? I want to say more about that this evening. But for right now, it's very personal. Because there's nothing right now between you and me. It's between each individual and God. My duty was to deliver his word this morning, and that's what I've done. Your duty is to exercise your free will, to either exercise it to do what he saith, 
or to continue in your own way. Is it God's way or is it yours? Let's bow our heads, please.